Chapter 9 of Links in Rebecca's Life by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9 On a Visit. Date The Centennial Year, 1876. Time A sunny Sabbath morning in October. Miss Almina Wardwell came late and lingered long at the breakfast table. I don't think I shall get to church this morning, she said, toying over her coffee. It is distressingly late. We really ought to try to have breakfast earlier. Still, I don't care to go to church. If I get around in time for Sunday school, it is as much as I expect to do. Do you want to go?" The last sentence was addressed to her guest, our friend Rebecca, who, being her cousin, was making her a visit, and taking observations on various things. "'Why, I don't know,' she said, rather at a loss how to answer so singular a question. "'I am in the habit of going to church on Sabbath morning, but it isn't a necessity, I suppose. Oh, go, by all means, if you won't find it too fatiguing. Some of us always go. But really, my class exhausts me so that it is as much as I am equal to. I have the primary class, you know. Little wrigglers. They are never still for five seconds. I am going to get rid of them just as soon as I can. I have been trying for a month to get somebody to take my place. I don't believe in primary classes anyway. I think there ought to be six or eight classes made out of mine. It would be a good deal easier." After this talk, Rebecca was seized with the desire to visit the infant class and thither she betook herself after morning service. Miss Almina was there, looking fresh and lovely in a new blue-and-white striped summer silk, covered over with rows of pleats and puffs, and a fairy of a hat, where lilies of the valley nestled and smiled, and almost perfumed the room, so real were they. Every slightest detail about Miss Almina was perfect. The toilet was one that might be called elaborate, and was arranged evidently with a careful artist's eye. The requisite three shades of color glimmered in subdued beauty from hat to necktie. Rebecca's simple country eyes took in the whole at one glance and was charmed, and at the same time she was aware that the floor was carpetless and dusty, and Miss Almina was meeting with trouble and discomfiture in the effort to keep the elegant blue and white trail from doing untimely sweeping. Another annoyance beset her. Some little children came with love offerings, but they were dandelions, and very moist at that, and the delicate four-buttoned kids, lavender of a bluish tinge, soiled at a touch. What in the world should she do with them? "'Yes, they are very nice,' she said. "'Lay them on the table, dear. Absurd little snip. She is always bringing me some wet weeds, but that is the way when one teaches babies.' The last part of this sentence was addressed to Rebecca, but the baby heard every word. What wonder that her lip quivered in such a way that Rebecca longed to kiss it. Miss Almina presently seated herself with much care as to the gathering up of her train, and fanned herself in an exhausted manner. She was exhausted. She had frizzed her hair and combed the frizzes out and frizzed it again until her arms ached. I've had a horrid time, she whispered to Rebecca, while the opening hymn was being sung. My new bonnet would not set well. I tried my hair low, and I tried it high, and I tried it with a comb. Four times I took every pin out and put them back again. I am just tired out. What a horrid tune that is they are singing. Miss Hart always flats. She thinks she is a good singer, too. Only see what queer faces Dr. Nellis makes when he sings. Isn't it comical? Who is Dr. Nellis? Rebecca ventured to whisper. Why, he is our pastor. Haven't you heard his name before? How queer! and Miss Almina stopped whispering, for Dr. Nellis was praying. After the prayer the folding doors between the main room and her own were closed, and Miss Wardwell was alone with her class of forty little restless immortals. Just there arose one of her grievous mistakes. She called them restless mortals. That solemn first syllable that invested them with eternity slipped out of her thoughts. "'Where is your lesson?' Rebecca asked, as Miss Almina tugged at her glove after vainly trying to write the name of a new scholar with it on. I'm sure I don't know. I haven't had time to look. It's the next in the international course. The lesson paper will tell you. 
Dr. Nellis insists on using the international lessons for this class. That is one of his hobbies, a perfectly absurd one. What do these little tots know about Peter and all those? Do look where the lesson is and tell me. I have some new scholars to look after. I shall complain of Miss Mills if they send another one into my class. I have more now than I want. But how are you ever going to teach the lesson if you haven't studied it? asked Rebecca, appalled at the magnitude of such an undertaking. Miss Almina looked amazed. "'Why, dear me,' she said, "'one doesn't have to study the lesson for such little mites as these, you know. I shall find something to say.' Meantime she seemed to have forgotten that the little mites had ears, and were listening eagerly to the talk, some of them. Others of them were comparing the beauty of their new summer hats, and whispering as to the beauty of their sashes and the number of buttons on their boots. That was not to be wondered at, for Miss Almina, as she drew off her gloves, said, these gloves are not going to wear worth a cent. I have to pull them on and off so often. But those little mortals are always taking hold of my hand, and their hands are not over-clean. Don't you think it wears out gloves dreadfully to take them off so much?" Then the business of the hour actually commenced, Miss Almina turning to it with a sigh and loudly whispered, "'I really must attend to this class. Dr. Nellis will be popping in here the next thing I know. I wish he were not so attentive to the lambs of his flock. He's a real nuisance.' "'Children, what shall we sing to-day?' Please, Miss Wardwell, can't we sing, I am so glad that Jesus loves me? What, that old thing, child? Why, you want to sing that all the time. I am perfectly sick of that hymn. I wish Mr. Bliss had been asleep when he wrote it. The children are always wanting to scream it out, and they make the horridest discord. Some of them have really no more ear for music than so many kittens, and these are the ones who are sure to sing the loudest. This, of course, was a side explanation to her guest. Then to the class, choose something else, children, for today. My nerves are not equal to Jesus loves me. A dozen voices answered her. Each had a choice, or, if they hadn't, they thought up one hastily, to embrace the opportunity to use their tongues. "'Oh, dear me!' said the teacher. "'What a din! Children, you really must not make such a noise. It is impolite to all speak at once. I'll select a hymn myself. You have made such a commotion about it, I can't allow you to tell this time. We'll sing, I'm but a traveller here. We haven't sung that in a good while.' So forty little voices, belonging to forty little flutterers, gay with white robes and sashes and flowers, and looking as merry as so many hummingbirds, piped out, Earth is a desert drear, heaven is my home. Let us hope with all our hearts that each of the forty darlings will find at last that heaven is indeed their home, but as for earth being a desert drear to them at present, that is all nonsense. I doubt if the beautiful earth ought to be that to any human being. But if the forty babies had not remained in blissful ignorance of the meaning of the words, they would have sounded like a caricature on life. Directly the hymn was concluded, the spirit of parade came over Miss Almina. "'We will not take time to repeat the Lord's Prayer this morning,' she said. "'You all know it so well there is no need of saying it every Sunday. "'Think of there being no need to pray because we all know the prayer so well. "'You may rise and recite the Bible alphabet for Miss Harlow. "'I know she will like to hear you.' "'They recited it well, but Rebecca could not help wondering "'if they understood the hard words, and also what was the connection of ideas. "'A is for Advocate, Absalom, Adam. "'B is for Bethlehem, Benjamin, Boaz.' They recite it nicely. Have you explained it to them? Do you think they attach any meaning to the words?" This she said when the pretty show that had been given for her benefit was concluded. "'Bless your heart, no,' said the amused Almina. They recited just as parrots would. Why, they are nothing but babies. Do see how the sun fades this shade of lavender. Horrid, isn't it? Hush, children! Don't you know it is naughty to whisper in Sunday school? How many times I have told you that you ought to be very quiet? Susie Marks, what are you talking about? That little tongue of yours is always busy. Well, Miss Wardwell, she says her sash is widest, and I know it isn't, for I just measured the ends, and she won't believe me. 
Well, it's very naughty to talk about clothes in Sunday school. I'm astonished at you. That isn't being good children. Now we must have a lesson. Oh, first, have any of you a verse to recite? I have, piped up a dozen little voices. They liked to recite verses. That rested their dear little tongues. So the verses were heard. What a pity, thought the practical visitor, since they are really fond of saying verses, that Almina didn't pick one out of the lesson and give it to them all to learn. Then they would have known something about it, but she will have to take the whole Bible for a lesson if she hits many of these verses. Over the recitation of one verse, the young teacher laughed. Kitty, you little witch, she said. I do believe you have recited that same verse to me fifty times. Why don't you get a new one? Boys, why the idea of fighting in Sunday school? I'm shocked. He begun it, said the smaller boy. Well, he said I had red hair and my hair's brown, ain't it, teacher? Why, I guess so a little. Anyway, it is very wicked to quarrel about it in Sunday school. The idea of the little mouse being sensitive as to the color of his hair. Did you ever hear of such a thing? This to the patient visitor. He is a perfect little mischief. Always in a scrape of one kind or another, his temper is as fiery as his hair. That largest boy in the corner troubles him, Rebecca ventured to say. I think he would behave better if it were not for that boy. Oh, I haven't a doubt of it. He's a horrid boy, one of the worst in the class. Some of them act like torments all the time. I don't know what to do with them. There's no use in their coming to Sunday school anyway. They ought to be at home in the nursery taking naps. Well, children, our lesson today is about—where is it, Rebecca? It's about Stephen, said Rebecca, wondering in her heart how Almina was ever going to manage that lesson without having studied it. Stephen, how can such little tots be expected to know anything about such old patriarchs, or whatever they were? Who was Stephen? Anyhow, I can't recall a single thing about him. Give me the lesson paper. What is the first verse? Then said the high priest, Are these things so? What things, I wonder? Oh, dear me, this lesson is all about the whole history of the children of Israel. Now what can I be expected to get out of this for the children? It is just history, nothing else in the world. Well, children, our lesson is about Stephen. "'What was his other name?' queried Nettie Wright. Whereupon Miss Wardwell laughed merrily. "'Why, child, he had none!' "'Why not?' said Nettie, looking both abashed and amazed. But his teacher gave him no reply. She was bending with knit brows and perplexed face over the lesson paper. "'I'll read the lesson to you,' she said at last, "'and you may tell me about it afterward.' And he said, "'Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. Tommy, you mustn't whisper while I am reading. That is very naughty. Before he dwelt in Sharan, and said unto him, Kitty, I don't believe you hear a word of what I am reading. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land. Fred, how many times have I told you not to kick your heels against the seat? Which I shall show thee, Rebecca, what can be the sense in trying to teach such a lesson as this? And he gave him none inheritance in it. What's that? interrupted Nettie. What is what? Why, that that he gave him. He didn't give him anything, Nettie. It says he didn't. Well, yes, Miss Wardwell, you read about him giving something, that last long word. Miss Wardwell turned a triumphant look on her guest. You see how well they understand this, she said. See if they have a single idea about it. Children, what have I been reading? About a man named Stephen, shouted two or three little fellows who remembered that the lesson was to have been about Stephen. Oh, what an idea! Well, what have I read about him? That he was a good man, said Lucy Jones. No, he was a bad man, Willie Norton said. There, said their teacher in triumph, that shows how well you have listened. I haven't read a word about Stephen. It has all been about what he said. I know what he said, interrupted Nettie. He said, get out to all the folks. This answer raised a general giggle. Dear, what nonsense, Miss Wardwell said when her laugh was over. 
I don't know what to do. It is a positive desecration of the Sabbath to try to teach this lesson to babies. Just here, the sliding door creaked a little on its hinges, and a gentleman peeped his head in. Miss Almina looked around quickly. Oh, come in, Gilbert. I was afraid you were Dr. Nellis. Mr. Snowden, Miss Harlow. He is our secretary, Rebecca, and has come to receive my interesting report. Gilbert, don't you think I have three new ones? Just babies. And I am expected to enlighten them concerning Stephen's defense. Do you know what he was defending? queried the amused Gilbert. I haven't the least idea. Do you know the lesson? Not I. What difference does it make to me or the babies what the old fellow did? He has got done with it all. That is precisely what I think, but we must teach the international lesson, you know. I am just sick of that word. I hope I shall never meet any of the stupid committee who chose the lessons. Tommy, if you pull Charlie's hair again, I shall send you out to the superintendent. It would puzzle anyone to know what to teach to grown-up people out of this lesson, I think. Just a long list of hard names, and that is about all. Clara and Annie, how often must I speak to you about talking so loud? You ought to know better than to set such an example as that, and you among the oldest in the class. Gilbert, are you going to hear of Bishop Vandermeer tonight? Is he to be here? Oh, yes, we must go. But how will they get along without you in the choir? The best way they can. I am not a salaried singer. I am under no sort of obligation to be there. I go when I please. Then I'll call for you, shall I, at half-past seven? Come down earlier, Gilbert, and we will try some new anthems. Rebecca sings alto. Miss Wardwell, Trudy says she is going to see her Aunt Annie this afternoon. She says it isn't wicked to go visiting on Sunday. It is, isn't it? Of course it is. Don't you know the fourth commandment? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Oh, Gilbert, you must be sure and go to the social tomorrow evening. We are going to do something new by way of entertainment. I'll tell you all about it this evening. I really must go on with that stupid lesson now. Well, how many midgets are here today? I must go on, or Dr. Nellis will be looking at me over his spectacles. Oh, I'm sure I haven't counted them. Enough are here, I assure you. Nettie, stop kicking your heels against the seat. They drive me half distracted. There are forty-one here, said the grave and watchful Rebecca, and she received the thanks of the secretary as he bowed himself out. The teacher turned to her class and addressed them on this wise. Children, this lesson is not one that you can understand. We hope that some day Dr. Nellis will let us have such lessons as we like. But now we will have something that we can understand. You may all answer together, Who was the first man? Of course they all shouted, Adam! And of course that was an indication that they were interested and benefited, no matter if they had known it, some of them, for four years. You know the list of questions, embodying proper and valuable historic information certainly, only it becomes a question of how much time shall be consumed in the endless repetition of it, after it has once been thoroughly learned. But Miss Almina had thoroughly learned it too, and therefore she liked it. So they ran through the list, who was the oldest man, the wisest man, the strongest man, the most patient man, etc., etc. "'Don't you use a blackboard?' questioned Rebecca, when the list had been gone through with, and Miss Almina looked at her watch and wondered why the bell didn't ring. "'No, I don't. I hate a blackboard. They are such horrid, dusty things. You get yourself all covered with chalk and just ruin your clothes. I can hardly wear anything decent here as it is. If I had a blackboard I should give up in despair.' "'I should think it would be a great help in teaching children.' "'Well, I don't know. It is quite the fashion to rave over them. Dr. Nellis has been at me for two months, but I won't have one. What could I do with it? I don't know how to draw, and as for making lines and marks and dots such as Dr. Nellis is always talking about, I am not going to make an idiot out of myself. What's the use? Just as if one couldn't tell all those things just as well as to chalk them down. Chalk is dirty stuff, and I'm not going to muss in it. I had enough of that when I went to school. There are pictures that some primary teachers use, aren't there?' Oh, yes, there's a leaf cluster. We have one here, but the pictures are horrid. Great red and yellow daubs, nothing artistic about them. I can't endure the sight of them. I never touch mine. 
but wouldn't the children get some idea of the lesson from them? persisted the troublesome visitor. I don't know, I am sure. I think there is such a thing as having too many pictures and blackboards and all that, just like a day school. It doesn't seem like Sunday work to go to making chalk pictures. Miss Almina had got back to the blackboard without knowing that she was away from her subject. I don't mean to do it anyway. Let those people who have a taste for such things daub in them. I say, I don't like them. It was evidently a sore subject with her. She waxed indignant as she talked. That is another of Dr. Nellis's hobbies, she said. He would like it if I would dawdle over impossible-looking men and trees and houses made out of chalk. It isn't my forte, I can assure him, and the sooner he gets a teacher who will be more to his mind, the better I shall like it. It is making altogether too gross a matter of Sabbath school, I think, to play pictures with the children. Did you attend the state convention when it met here? questioned the visitor, thinking of certain very different ideas that she had heard advanced on this subject. Miss Almina's lip curled so high as to almost retire under her nose. The state convention, she repeated in ineffable scorn. No, indeed, such a set as came to be entertained. I wish you could have seen them, more than half of them from the country, and such queer common-looking people. I think conventions are nothing but humbugs, just a company of people banded together to see how long they can get entertained by strangers. Such impudence! What a formidable undertaking, Rebecca said, her eyes flashing. How the leaders have to work day and night and spend their money and time, all for the sake of getting entertained for two days. It seems to me it costs more than it returns. Oh, well, you needn't go to being so sharp. Plenty of people besides me think so. All the first families are of that opinion. I dare say. It sounds precisely like the first families. They generally have just such advanced and sensible ideas. See what sort of people they send, retorted Almina. Common-looking set. Do people have to be aristocratic-looking before they are allowed to visit a city as delegates to a Sunday-school convention? I never heard that argument advanced before. So far as the logic is concerned, everyone knows that superintendents try hard to get the class of teachers who need benefiting most to be sent as delegates, though I admit it doesn't work that way because the teachers who are almost failures won't go, and those who would do very well without the help of conventions are the ones who are eager and interested to be there. But, Almina, only look at your class. What a confusion they are in while we are discussing conventions. This isn't according to convention teaching, I assure you. I don't know anything about convention teaching. I never attended one, and I don't want to. So I supposed. No person of common sense could be familiar with them and their work and then say such absurd things as you have been guilty of. Almina laughed carelessly. How fiery you are, she said. One would think you were president of all the associations, and she turned languidly away. The door creaked again. This time it was Dr. Nellis. Every little restless mouse resolved itself into instant quiet the moment his head appeared. He shook hands cordially with the teacher. "'Have you had a pleasant time?' he said genially. "'Oh, I don't know. We have had a warm time,' the young teacher said, fanning herself vehemently. "'I think babies ought to be at home on such enervating days as these.' Dr. Nellis seemed not to desire to enter into an argument concerning the babies. "'Is your lesson concluded?' he asked. Oh, yes, long ago. Why doesn't the bell ring? Dr. Nellis drew his watch. It is not quite the usual time yet, he said. Then he turned to the children. How many kinds of people have you heard about today? Now, the simple truth, of course, was that they had heard about no kinds of people, but fortunately for their teacher they were too innocent to say so. Therefore they said nothing. The pastor tried again. Give me the name of one person of whom you have learned today. Stephen! shouted sharp-witted Nettie, and his teacher blessed him in her heart for remembering the name which she had already forgotten. Stephen, what kind of a man was he? Silence. Was he good or bad? 
there was a division of opinion. Some thought one way, some another. Their pastor tried again. If we only had a blackboard here, we would make something to stand for that land of Sharon, where that old man used to live of whom Stephen was talking. God sent him word, you know, to leave that land and take a journey toward one that he would give him. He promised that land to him and his children forever. Now how long was it before they got what had been promised to them? Of course, the children didn't know. They took to guessing. Two weeks, said one. Forty years, said another. They never got it, said still a third, and interest and attention were fixed. How deftly the good man told his story, letting their little tongues help him wherever it was possible. How skillfully he led their thoughts presently toward their own land of promise, promised by the selfsame God who had been so faithful, whom Stephen, by his history, was proving had been true to every detail. "'What is the name of this lesson?' he asked suddenly. The poor little aroused people did not know. When he had taught them, he asked, "'Who was he defending?' "'Himself,' said they all. "'Ah, no, indeed, he did not take the trouble to defend himself. He was really defending Jesus. What does it mean to defend anyone?' Here followed a succession of opinions and an animated discussion, and when it was settled Dr. Nellis set the little eager brains to work to give him a list of the wonderful things that they could say in defense of Jesus, he engaging to keep count on his fingers. When the list had swelled beyond their highest expectations, he asked them, "'How many things does Jesus ask you to give him in return for all these?' Very skillfully he led the answers and the thoughts up to the one word, love. That is what Jesus asks in return. And when this little lesson was concluded, and their pastor turned from them, there thrilled in many a softened heart the desire and the determination to love this dear Jesus, and to defend his name forever. They would not have put it in those words, but the dear Lord understood it. Then the pastor turned back to the teacher, who, during this lesson, finding Rebecca too much interested to whisper, had been reading a Sabbath school book. "'It is a peculiarly happy lesson for the little ones today,' he said. "'Miss Wardwell, do you think any of the little ones here have given their hearts to Jesus?' Miss Wardwell flushed as deeply as if the question was one of a personal and horribly embarrassing nature. "'Why, dear me,' she said at last, "'Dr. Nellis, do you really think they are old enough to understand about any such thing? Little babies they are, nothing else. I try to teach them to be good children, of course, but as for them understanding theology, why, that seems to me too much to expect.' "'Suffer the little children to come unto me, forbid them not,' quoted Dr. Nellis, and added, "'It is the Saviour's own direction, you know.' Then he went out of that squeaking door again, and in a moment the long-looked-for bell sounded, and Miss Wardwell's martyrdom was at an end. Late in the afternoon of that same holy day she lay in becoming wrapper on the bed in her room, still trying to recover from the fatigue of the morning. Rebecca sat in the low chair at the window, two pink spots glowing on her cheeks. They had been discussing the primary class, and the visitor had become considerably stirred. "'Dr. Nellis and I don't agree at all in our views,' Miss Wardwell remarked complacently. He is a very grand preacher and a great scholar and all that, and the consequence is, when he turns his thoughts to children, he is in a sphere that he knows nothing about. I told him one day that he better take my class, and he said he should enjoy it above all things. Fancy the theological dissertations he would give them. I thought he gave them a remarkably clear and simple lesson today, based on the lesson that you said could not be taught to children. Oh, well, you are a fanatic, Rebecca, we all know, but I confess— to talk about the conversion of such little mites as these are in my class, in my opinion, is all nonsense. But don't let us discuss it. I hate discussions. Don't you want to read aloud? I'm just in the midst of we and our neighbors, but I can tell you the plot of the story. It never occurred to me that we and our neighbors was a book exactly fitted for the Sabbath. Do you think it is? Why not? I'm sure I don't know anything bad about it. If Mrs. Stowe isn't a safe person to read, I'm sure I don't know who is. I'm not afraid that she will contaminate me. 
but if you don't feel like reading, never mind. And Miss Wardwell adjusted her pillows and gave herself up to the fascinations of we and our neighbors. Feed my lambs was the direction of the great shepherd himself, and it is lambs of his own pasture who are the victims of just such miserable trash as this, and the under-shepherds thereof imagine that they are actually feeding. Inasmuch as ye did it unto the least of these, ye did it unto me. End of chapter 9